0: This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL hafta.
1: Angres apna lagan or news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi Welcome to another episode of our weekly podcast. With me on the panel today in the office are Maharaj Lone, Hello. Raman Kripal, Hi. Manisha Pandey. Hello. And joining us on the phone line is Pragya Tiwari. Most of you already would know who Pragya is, but those of you who may not, let me introduce her to you. Pragya has been a journalist for the last 15 years. She's edited publications like Tehelka, Vice India, The Big Picture. She writes on politics and policy and she has written for the New York Times, Al Jazeera, Quint, Wire, Hindu, Telegraph, Mint, Lounge, DNA, Times of India and First Post. She holds degrees in law and public administration. She's worked as a public policy consultant. And right now you are the regional director of Flint Asia and editor of the Indian Policy Collective and Indian History Collective. Please tell us about these three organizations. What are they? Uh,
0: So hello, that was my entire CV. Thank you, Abhinandan. (laughs) Um, Indian uh, Flint uh, uh, Asia is a consultancy on arts and culture. And uh, that's actually a paying job in Indian Policy Collective and Indian History Collective is just something that me and a couple of my friends have launched in order to make history and policy more accessible to young people and get them engaged in conversations that are happening on both fronts. Fairly new projects and uh, what one may call fashion projects.
1: I see. So, but you still will continue to write even though now you're doing a public policy consultancy, right? You still write?
0: Yes, very much so.
1: So, uh, before we get into discussing what made the news, what didn't, what should have, what shouldn't have, and what was exciting or unexciting, these are the headlines. Uh, the Prime Minister, again, gave a speech, was it yesterday or day before? I've lost track of time. Tuesday. It was day before yesterday. Oh, Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Tuesday. We had a recording on Thursday in the early afternoon. So, that speech, I guess we shall discuss because it is always fun. Then there has been a law amendment on labor laws, the spree across states, Uh, UP, MP, Gujarat have modified labour laws already, although there is some inkling that some of this may not be altogether legal and will probably be challenged in court, but we shall discuss that for a little bit. Then, of course, the Atmanirbhar Bharat Abhiyan package, 20 lakh crore. How much of it is stimulus, how much of it is juggling, and how much of it is just payloading, whatever I want to, because no one is going to check. We shall do some of that. Then, uh, finally, the PMKS fund has decided to use some money, 3,100 crores on ventilators and vaccines for migrants. So a statement came out, uh, maybe Manisha will tell us a little more about what this is about. Then Nirmala Sitaraman and her most able Minister of State Anurag Thakur, who <laughs> about a month and a half ago had said that COVID will have no impact on the economy, was sitting and announcing the package. I was hoping some journalists asked him, but you the economy have impact. Why are you announcing the stimulus package? Kar rahe then Vande Bharat, Mission 6,000 Indians stand abroad have been brought back. And uh, flights are going and I would like to reiterate as the government has it, you have to buy tickets on these flights. So that entire thing that poor migrants are being asked to pay while rich people are being flown for free, the government has become very sensitive to that criticism. And in every tweet and every statement, they keep saying they are paying, they are paying. such a ho. Then there was some horrible news as well. There was 16 laborers who were crushed to death.
2: Mm, on Friday.
1: And uh, in fact, this was the day after we recorded yeah. our podcast yeah. last week. And after there have been a series of other, not necessarily deaths, but really heart-wrenching images and videos mm. of people... Trudging along thousands of kilometers with their families and children.
3: Deaths also in accidents. Yes,
1: and and not just an accidents of starvation or yeah. fatigue or exhaustion or whatever it is. NDTV
2: had that report where the reporter met a tempo with nineteen people in in the morning who died later. And yeah. then he met you know in the evening on, on the same road he saw that the tempo had had an accident and the driver died.
3: And there's also this story about this nineteen people in one temple. lady who just gave birth and then started walking all. Yeah, the way. there was a seven month old lady. Then
1: of course there's a case also of. In UP, UP Yogi Ji's police has arrested a pregnant woman who's miscarried and it took them three days yeah. to take her to hospital. Meanwhile, we didn't discuss this last week. Maybe we should this week uh, because we got a lot of ma- emails saying that you guys didn't discuss it because we had focused around the labor and the migrant issue. The boys' locker room, which at that time didn't seem such an important issue to us. And I guess in, a, in the context of things, it still is not. But there was a death of a schoolboy who jumped off because of, Although he apparently wasn't a part of the boys' locker room, but it was around the same time. So one of his classmates, um, you know, accused him of inappropriate behavior and he just jumped off the 11th floor of his building in Kurgaon. Then more than a thousand Maharashtra police personnel have tested positive for COVID. In fact, every day we hear new cases of, you know, people in uniform testing positive. Then other than the aircrafts getting Indians, the Shramik special trains are going to run at full capacity, just like the aircrafts are. Uh, Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. Maybe the panel can weigh in on that. But now migrants are also being sent. And now Karnataka suddenly is the state which is showing the most large air. We will not charge. Other states are charging. We will send everyone back. After all the cheerleaders on TV were advocating one week ago that no, no, keep them there. So basically, when these guys suddenly move 180 degrees, what do people like Padma Javshi and all do who are advocating their earlier stand?
2: God knows.
1: Then the National Disaster Management Agency has issued guidelines on restarting industries post-lockdown. I guess this is going to be just SOP, which we need not discuss. We will read that. And those of you who want to start their offices will have to follow that. Then there was that video of the Chinese and Indian forces clashing at the border.
4: Mm. And China
1: suddenly flexing its muscles, not just here, with Taiwan also. They say, Sub confusion mein hum thoda. That's their deferred mood.
2: There was a controversy thi, no? I think well, de... Nepal. had summoned
4: Indian envoy for some road. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Then the Delhi High Court has granted an interim protection from arrest to the Delhi Minorities Commission Chairman, Zafarul Islam Khan, for his social media posts he had just uh, in the backdrop of, of the Delhi riots in northeast Delhi. He had put up a post saying that I thank Kuwait and their government mm-hmm. for backing us. And also he apparently said something complimentary about Zakir Nayak. And that,
2: yeah, but I mean, the, uh, but
1: they slapped him with sedition. He basically I
2: said that um, they should realize, uh, you know, what Muslim nations can do. I mean, something to that effect that if Indian Muslims, we haven't yet approached the Arab nations, but if we did, they should know, you know, which yeah. is a bit silly. It's no, a I silly mean, slapping statement. but a case but like sedition is it's too much. You
1: are, you are just course, killing yeah. the freedom of expression. And meanwhile, India unemployment rate is now at 23.97% according to the Centre for Monitoring Indian Economy. And uh, Nomura says that India's GDP is to contract to 5.2%. Uh, I don't know how much that is because others are saying 0%, some are saying negatives. So these numbers now are just numbers. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> what happens.
2: Yeah. Another interesting story was the Indian Express story uh, which said that uh, the Tablighi Jamaat video... That had been circulating on social media of him telling people to come despite COVID was doctored, and uh, the government obviously denied it. But not only did they deny it, the Mm. police then slapped a notice on them. They've asked the reporter to come as witness in the case, and if he does not comply, they can uh, detain him. One seventy section one seventy, I think. So which is
1: this Indian Express reporter? Yeah,
2: Indian Express reporter.
4: And editor's Guild today has
1: issued a statement. Ah. So that
2: was I think one one of the few cases in India where a journalist is being asked to is expected to ask to give his sources I'm guessing that's what they want No, but that no, happened I in Kashmir also yeah of course Kashmir to hota <laughs> no, it has been no no yeah, <laughs> also it has
4: been asked I think in <laughs> Telka there was one uh, story that uh, Khaitan hmm. had done one uh, story this was section 164 statement of that uh, Sadhu in Aseeman. some Dal case hmm. hmm. Asimanan so there the, there was a case against uh, Khetan. CBI had summoned him and they in the court it was asked that uh, what's your in, source uh, mm. in my case also that story which I did against CBI director mm. so Supreme Court had asked if you give us tell us our source
1: so so did I uh, have to reveal the source
4: no I uh, my source was ready to reveal himself it's a, another big story I mean, no,
1: but what, what about Ashish's but,
4: but, but uh, Prashant Bhushan told me that no way if you give it in sealed cover Within 4 hours This will be out And your source <laughs> will get killed That's right. what Prachand Mujan told me mm. At that time He said no we will not But then uh, there was so much pressure The Supreme Court backed out They, sh- they said we will So then we
1: that. have precedence That source doesn't have to be revealed yes. yeah. So And
2: just to add to that A lot of reporters At least I, that I have spoken to Outside of Delhi Have started telling us That told me of instances Where the police has started Calling them to the station For questioning after a story mm. That's really scary mm. I
1: yeah think that's happening. I think we they want should, to strike a terror. We should do uh, a detailed piece on that. Of course, but, it
2: happens in Kashmir, but uh, that's a conflict zone happening no, in Guwahati, in Lucknow,
1: in Delhi. It's just. चलो हम कश्मीर को बाकी So, uh, Pragya, now let me start with you. We will get to the Prime Minister's address and stuff, but last week we didn't discuss it, but the boys' locker room had dominated headlines. And I have since read a few pieces on that. So if you could just give a few minutes to that before we dissect the Prime Minister's speech and the stimulus, the COVID-related disaster being managed by the Prime Minister and his stimulus. What do you make of this? Uh, And just for context for our audience, there was a bunch of school kids between the age of, I guess, 15 and 17 who had this Instagram group where they would, you know, talk about women uh, in ways that are disrespectful and offensive. And one of those people had also spoke, you know, spoken about raping a girl. And it appears by the police that that apparently was done by a girl pretending to be a guy. So now that entire boys' locker room is not about rape. Now it's about just inappropriate behavior. So yeah, Pragya, what do you think of that case? Do you think it got more coverage than it needed in current circumstances or less?
0: You know I I mean it depends on which way you look at it it's uh, it uh, got more coverage if you consider the fact that these things abound on the internet uh, and it got less coverage if you consider the fact that we uh, I mean this is a sort of endemic crisis that we're not really talking about this is just a manifestation of how I mean we've been we've really failed to resolve as a as a society and as a polity how we want to bring boys up and in the age of sort of uh, you know, where there's so many different outlets and so many different influences, whatever issues there were festering within the society have just become, you know, just sort of manifold. I mean, this is many more manifestations of it. That's quite simply what it is. So whether it's guys, you know, talking inappropriately about women, where they are doing it, you know, we've and this is We've been hearing this and become a bit of a joke that, you know, online classes, Zoom classes, there are boys joining as Savita Bhabi or Sunny Leone and the female teachers are getting uncomfortable. But this, this is sort of, I mean, and of course, there is a tendency, we all have it as a society to laugh about it until it gets very serious, until there's something, a death happens or a rape happens or, you know. So it's, it's just, a, and it's the same with the boys' locker room. I mean, if that rape threat wasn't there, I doubt it would have got any attention. But we keep forgetting how thin a line it is between inappropriate conversation and sort of uh, rape culture. It's just, um, it's it's on a spectrum. And the same thing about the guy's death, I think that's another thing that we don't really talk about as a society, as families, which is mental health. So really, this is just a manifestation of how the are two conversations that we Radically need to have in our schools, in our colleges, in our homes through counseling, which is mental health and uh, addressing rape culture, patriarchal attitudes, uh, respect for women—all of these things.
1: Sure, uh, but I mean, I will—you uh, know—just want to put um, some more information out there. The Delhi Commission for Women chief had asked for a—you know—case against these boys, that they have to be arrested. And the day after that boy committed suicide who was not related to boys' Rock room. That was a separate boy whose classmate had accused him of taking her, you know, for a walk and then behaving inappropriately. There were some journalists who, I don't even know if they're journalists, but, you know, people on Twitter who said that now she should be arrested for abetment of suicide because mm. her call for arresting boys led to that panic. Now, would the other panel like to weigh in on that? But I will say this, Pragya, I agree with much of what you said. The one thing I disagree with and... I have actually spoken about this to a bunch of people in the last week, 10 days, some of my younger friends who you know I've met at various lectures that I went, sent me pieces of their thoughts that they wrote on this. More than one, you're coming from it from the point of view of a woman saying that, th- that this is a spectrum, inappropriate or loose sexist conversation in a boy's locker room, whether it is a metaphorical locker room or actual physical one, and rape being a spectrum. And that but also, you know, one of the boys who wrote that piece, I said, I disagree and I you know, hope you don't publish this anywhere. That, you know, we are all a part of boys groups and it's a spectrum when it goes from one to the other. I don't think it's a spectrum. I come from an all-boys boarding school for 12 years. I'm a part of several all-boys WhatsApp groups and I think it is, any man will be lying if they don't say that they aren't tits and ass jokes that are shared, you mm. know, videos aren't also shared. I mean, th- that is shared, but... I can tell you confidently if any specific person that one knows is mentioned. A no guy will have the guts to do that because he knows it's going to be ostracized by the rest of the group. And rape is not a spectrum. It is a separate conversation. And I think when one kind of says it's a spectrum, then it becomes tricky. So I don't agree with that at all.
0: So I mean we'll have to uh, we'll have to Abhinandan, we'll have to agree to disagree because when I say a spectrum I mean you know there's a lot in between. There's harassment, there is there are attitudes to women which uh, lead to Uh, sort of emotional violence, um, you know, confinement. There's just so much that we're talking about. And I don't think that these things can be neatly and adequately separated from one another. Of course, if you prefer, one can call it a slippery slope rather than a spectrum. So maybe boys in your school who stopped at making jokes had influences that or interventions at the right time. So they knew where to draw the line, but that is not necessarily for the entire population. And I definitely don't think that, People who don't have access to find, you know, awareness uh, of, of sen- sensitization, either through company or in, in their professional life or uh, from families. I, I don't think that they are very, um, for them, it, it may not be a slippery slope because I, you know, attitudes to women. Again, I'm not saying rape Rape is an extreme end of it, but I definitely don't think that there are such neat silos between harassment, between what we say, what we do and how we behave. and us looking
1: away. Manisha, what what is your view? So,
0: I mean, you guys have broadly
2: covered the thing, but I think for me personally, I think whenever now a story breaks on social media, I have started to become very careful and not rush to, you know, judge or say things. Take a position. Take a position because we've seen this with even Me Too that there were lots of allegations made which later turned out to be half-baked, not investigated thoroughly and it really damaged I think the whole conversation around sexual harassment and similarly in this case I think especially when there are children involved I don't think I think journalists should have also kind of just instead of just saying now arrest them and now you you know these guys should be treated like adults and now you should do this and that I think we should just wait for the full facts of things to come out and not take every screenshot for face value so that's one because in this case it does seem like there was one case of where the girl was trying to test whether these boys were you know would go to the extreme and apparently they passed. Because the guy does say that no, mm-hmm. we won't,
0: whatever. So I really hey, think. Like- can I just can I just add to that? I, I completely agree with Manisha, and I think that this is a problem that we all have. That we have knee jerk reactionary. We sort of brush things under the carpet, and the minute we see something crawling out, we all have knee jerk reactionary ways. It's of It's a social media yeah. thing, right? Rather than uh, sort of acknowledging yeah. that these problems are long term problems, endemic problems. They need long term solutions. They need to be thought through rather than sort of naming, shaming, arrest. The
2: 16-year-old who committed suicide, it's really tragic, yeah? Even Mm. if this guy was a sexist prick, the Mm. 16-year-old, and he was saying shit about these locker room boys also. Where are our institutions that we don't have really sex education in our schools? We don't have parents tell their boys or girls discuss sex or discuss relationships or discuss how to treat each other. Uh, Most of what I think young children pick up about relationships is from porn or from, you know, like pop culture, which is not really the best way to pick Mm. up stuff. So we don't have the institutions where we're sensitizing kids and you expect them to behave like these wonderful gentlemanly people they're not going to be and in fact I, right after this I saw this Instagram post with this boy had put up and then he put it down but I was just thinking this guy is going to grow up to be a incel woman hater because you know he was obviously angry with this boy's loco thing and he's like mm. you know women don't rest like hoes you guys are hoes and why don't people huh. say anything women mm. and it's all and he now because of this he's just come to this point of hating the idea of feminism or women right. or whatever so no,
1: it's also got to do with what you're saying, in cells. You know, they're just... I mean, for those of you but who I haven't been following that conversation, they're involuntary celibates because they don't get any attention from women. They ended up just hating women and just want violence but to them. But these
2: 16-year-olds so. who got trapped in this thing because of the sort of shaming that you're suddenly exposed to and you're not really un- fully understanding what's happening because, like you said, it's normal talk it can lead you to then just abhor the very idea of feminism or respect or listening to the other, you know, listening to women or understanding yeah, where they went sexism, wrong. I think
1: with sexism, it's so a bit, uh, Maharaj and sir, please come in. But I think with sexism, it gets a little tricky because people tend to be very careful with good reason because, the, you know, the world we live in is optimized for men. I give the same example everywhere that right from the size of piano keys to the size of a gun to how you grip a mic, it has all been optimized for a man's hands and not a woman's hands. Although there was a very interesting article I wrote, the the, the concert of the piano came up from a woman, but when it was designed, it was designed for a man's hands. That's why there are such few women pianists, because they have smaller hands. So in that context, people are very careful about it, but I think just like not everybody who cracks a Sardar joke is racist, or everybody who cracks a Jew joke is not racist. So everybody who cracks a joke which is sexist is not sexist, is what I'm saying. But because the conversation on gender is so is complicated and like I said because the context and because of the level like of, of, of misogyny that exists in our country I think it all just gets clubbed into one which also confuses kids I think that's why kids are like will I get
3: lynched for this also I think the larger tragedy here is whenever these things happen we always look at the symptoms rather than the bigger problem and the problem is very complex I mean misogyny, patriarchy, those are embedded. I mean, they have been accepted as values, if mm. I may s- yeah. say so. I mean, sanskar. Yeah. Sanskar. sanskar these, these, ki these kind of things, these kind of things, blue tick, uh, blue, blue tick, Twitter handles say worse things on Twitter. Mm. You remember some time ago there was this, uh, that video of Rana U which was morphed, and she was shown, you know, like a porn clip. Yeah. I mean, Manisha, Pragya woman journalists will know when they get the worst kind of abuse online. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a similar thing. So these problems are, the problem is one, at the family level, the religious institutions have failed. The education systems have failed. The culture, the larger culture, if you put it that way, that has failed. So this all flows from that. Because these, I mean, children, they just, people don't come from their mothers yeah, course, having sure. learned this. right? They, they pick this up. And, this up. and sure. if it's a 16-year-old boy, he has only picked it up from school, from his parents, Parents from his immediate surroundings. He doesn't have that much of an exposure, that much of a reading. So he's but, picked it up from there, yeah, somewhere. I, but
1: I think yeah, like Prakash, it has a lot to do with your family. I think if if you just make it compulsory for everybody to grow with, grow up with one or two elder sisters, everyone like kind of fall in line. I think no, <laughs> more than anything I else. So. Than, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, there uh, are men.
4: I think the problem is further compounded compounded by social media trial. Hmm. I mean, you have less legal intervention in these kind of cases, right? But you have more. So, trial by social media. Even uh, I think before we came to know about this girl impersonating hmm. and asking that rape thing, hmm. before that I I saw that on social media already there is one woman who came in defense of these boys. Hmm. She came out with the girl's room. There's a girl's locker. There is a girl's locker room. room huh? So they are also I mean they are lusting you know for
1: right. Uh, so oh, really? those kind I of. Huh? I I, so I actually you know, read a little bit about it, this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I had some. So so about.
4: but 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 then then she is trying to defend. At that time we didn't know. We thought that the rape comment has come from the boys. Right. So you cannot compare, you know, the the rapist culture with the lust. I mean, I mean yeah, the boys...
1: And voice. also, I think this is a bit like, you know, because A equals B, B equals A. I think it's... I would best, you know, respond to this from that. I think, I don't know what it is. Chris Rock, it was a black stand-up comic who kind of explained, like many people ask this stupidly that how can black stand-up comics make white jokes but a white stand-up comic can't make a black joke. So he said, of course you can, but first what you need to do is, here's what you need to do. You need to invent a time machine. Go back 3,000 years. Ensure that some black king or black corporation, civilization dominates you. Then all of us from Europe, uh, from Africa, come to Europe. We fill you in our ships, make you our slaves for another 1,000 years. Then we subject you to, you know, segregation for another 50, 100 years. Then you can come on the stage and make this joke. So similarly, I think in a world where... The overwhelming, not overwhelming, almost complete exploitation, assaults, violence is from men to women. I don't think, even if there was a girl's locker room doing exactly this, even then context matters. You know, like a white guy can't make a black joke.
3: Not just violence, even otherwise the entirely power, especially in this country, is with men.
1: Right, yeah. So, um, uh, Pragya, if you have anything to add on that, uh, please feel free, because then I would like to ask your views on, uh, on Atmanirbhar. How Atmanirbhar are you? Are you ashamed or not yet, if you're wearing any foreign clothes? But before that, yeah, Manisha, you want to say something? No, I was
2: just two things I wanted to add was one was I thought it was interesting that they're called boys' locker room and locker room is a very sort of a Western concept and the first time it really made news was Trump saying, grab Mm. them by the pussy, locker locker room room. scandal and he's the president. So I think people also look around and see and normalize things. And the other thing I was wondering about porn, I said, yeah, I, I do feel like maybe, maybe the way I think a lot of the young kids today learn. Everything about sex and sexuality yeah, from porn. To porn. And their idea of relationship is just replicating the porn they see. Exactly. Of any sort of... So, maybe parents should... Ex- because, of course, people will watch it and they like it and all. But maybe there needs to be, you know, some sex education of parents telling them, okay, this is one aspect of sex. I think... It's not, you know...
0: On,
1: on Slate, I may have recommended this piece, which was talking about that how... They did some research in the US that how rather than this generation of post-millennials, whatever they're called, the Instagram generation, rather than becoming more evolved towards gender dynamic, uh, they have become less when it comes to sex. It's because... The baby boomers and Gen X, that's my generation, didn't have access to porn. So in our formative years, our understanding of, you know, what got said was reading a human digest and then he clutched <laughs> her and as he hugged her, they squashed against each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> we excitement. Ho tha. Pe thi. When we used to drive from dehradun to Delhi. The, you know, bus would stop. All the boys would run. <laughs> and it used to be this photocopy. You know, there the would best. be some Samantha Fox on the cover or something. And these, so you had to read. Today, you click a video... And you have bloody video clips of, you know, slapping happening. It's just violent. So that Slate article said this generation is actually worse when it comes to understanding sex than the baby boomers and Gen X. So I think the reason is purely access to video porn.
3: Also, Manisha was like sex education. But the problem with that is in 99% of the homes and schools... It's considered a taboo subject. They don't yeah. Yeah. talk about homes it. homes, maybe. So but
2: I guess what's the right age now? Like, what at 12 you start telling your kids? Because
3: I think so.
1: Because I kids think also, also
2: are so evolved now that no
1: puberty like also know. started hitting earlier. Na, that there is a scientific study for yeah. that. Sorry, Pragya, go ahead and then please tell us about whenever you want to switch. About if you heard the speech and what do you think?
0: Yeah, about the speech.
1: Well, Atmanir no, but if you want to have anything to add on this, feel free and then we can move no, to the next subject. No,
0: I think we've pretty much covered everything. I think we, can, we could spend the next hour unpacking how, you know, media, culture, religion, family, society, everything has contributed to the rot that we're trying to address in like five minutes. But... You know, I think we've the broader gist has been covered very well by you know all of you, so I, I think I'm happy to leave it at that. Right. But the P.S. speech is concerned, yeah, I don't know again. has become a tired cliche that uh, it is a jumla and we need to understand what it really means. I mean, I i have no idea, frankly, where whether what I'm wearing right now, how much of it is uh, made in India and how much of it is not because it really involves understanding how complex global supply chains have become today. Yeah. I mean, what is...
1: Uh, yeah, if, maybe if, the, if cotton the cotton was cotton grown cotton, in Texas but flown to in India and it was... The yarn was spun here and the T-shirt was manufactured. You don't know which... T-shirt no, was no most idea, likely manufactured right? like in Bangladesh. Well, I
0: have bought it in London but maybe it was made here in a sweatshop. God knows, right? So, I, I don't even know what that phrase really means. In terms of policy, the only concrete step we've seen towards it is the... Uh, you know, the under under 200 crore uh, foreign tender announcement that Termila Sitaraman made, um, it uh, should pass the WTO test. I don't think we'll have trouble with that. Um, probably an economist could weigh in on it. But uh, I do think it's a step backward. I mean, the reason why this was allowed in the first place was so that we could have access to what's the best in the world but if it is a short term measure and it needs to be done it needs to be done other than that all it really means is we need to boost our own economy and i mean that has been the mandate forever so i'm, I'm so not it's quite
1: not sure. new but did did he you think address everything that the prime minister of a country what it's going through right now should have addressed uh, Raman, so you can comment on that and then we'll move
0: Sorry, I mean, I just can add one thing. Of course, there there was, I mean, we all know this. We've all made sort of jokes about it, snide comments about it on social media. There was so much fluff. But uh, I think the most inappropriate thing he said in that speech was when he spoke about migrant laborers, when he spoke about laborers, workers of this country having done tapasya and given tiag for the sake of the country. I mean, that really infuriated Mm. me. It was just a sort of, you know, it, it was a throwaway comment, but just to imply, because Tiag and Tapasya involve volition. I mean, just to imply right. that these people are going through these hardships willingly for the sake of this country and have not been just abandoned and let down and just sort of crushed by states and institutional and bad policy decisions, is it was just extremely inappropriate.
1: Hanji sir. Did you watch it live last year?
4: Atam Nirbur at- 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 I think is quite right when I mean I think in this COVID two months we have realized that each one of us is <laughs> has to be self-reliant. <laughs> Otherwise, you are screwed. Huh. So having said that, he is talking of self-reliance in terms of say manufacturing. Uh, I don't know how the economists look at it, but I know it for a fact that if you see the manufacturing units all over the world I think we are not even contributing 1 to 2% Hmm. of it
1: overall manufacturing world sure so
4: you are going to you have to achieve that 98% the kind of global economic uh, you know scenario that we have and we have signed those treaties we need to ensure that the foreign goods i mean which come we need to compete with them
1: hmm.
4: okay so now, now you can't suddenly on uh,
1: protection you, you can't, you save, can't huh?
4: become protectionist hmm. you right. cannot become self reliant by ensuring that chinese goods will stop coming to us hmm. now, similarly the us goods will hmm. those cars are going to come hmm. okay so uh, so the german cars are going to come so you need to compete i mean i'm, I'm, I'm sure. talking of cars but, but uh, on everything. even the small things also so, so I don't know how you're going to... I think I had spoken to some economists, you know, about two years ago that we have lost that battle when it comes to manufacturing. Hmm. Because if you see over a period of time, 90% of our manufacturing in the past 10 years or 15 years, they have closed their... They have shut their shops. I, had go, uh, I got a micro story done in Noida, hmm. where we had this electrical, uh, you know... Uh, factories now; those factories have become goda, go go uh, go downs, go downs, downs for uh, Chinese products. Right. They have stopped manufacturing. Ninety percent. at a
1: level when even your Diwali huh. thing and your manja, which you flew kites with. So I just even wonder. Even that was coming from huh, China. Then the, what? I know. think
4: these are just the words. What is your roadmap to become self-making? Right? That, I mean, that you need to spell out.
3: Couple of things. First, uh, I think Pragya talked about his use of the tapasya and mm. tyag and all that. This has been a theme of a speech since the beginning, since the lockdown began and even before that. I mean, I've written about it also. So this idea of service and sacrifice, it's always for these kind of people, for these poor people mm. who are there to serve us. This is a Brahmanical conception of service. I have written about it. So anyway, that's one thing. Second part is, I didn't understand half the speech because I don't understand Sanskrit, obviously. Mm. <laughs> Third part is, Atmanirbharata is essentially what they're talking about is Saudishi, which has been like the whole RSS economic paradigm since the beginning. I don't think that's necessarily bad. Hmm. I don't agree it's necessarily bad. If anything this whole pandemic has shown that you can't the the economic order that has been created over the last 40 years where everything china is the most manufacturing efficient
1: use of resources which means the cheapest use is not necessarily yeah, good. Yeah basically for the, the world. whole
3: idea is that the product has to be as cheap as possible for the consumer. Hmm. This has shown that that's, that's a very precarious thing. because Depending on what you put on
1: the balance sheet. Because something like this, <laughs> when this comes on the balance sheet, then it's not profitable.
3: Clearly. No, exactly. Because, I mean, you needed uh, test kits. You had to bring them from China and right. they were faulty. You had to have ventilators. You had to have other stuff. You had to have your own. I mean, it's a good thing to have a Saudishi capability, especially in uh, sectors which are essential sectors. Like healthcare, healthcare like education, education, like other right, stuff. Sure. Like food and Uh, Mm. medical supplies medical supplies India is anyway doing good so Mm. medicines and stuff so this is not a necessarily bad thing the the problem is the conception of saudeshi they have is different from the usual indigenous self-reliance that people talk about and say in the West. Conservatives and liberals, both left and right, their idea of self-reliance is the working class is at the center of it. Hmm. So if they want the factory brought back from China, their idea is that the work it helps the working class. Their and wages it becomes a up.
1: huge election issue. I mean, you can actually win an election promising that we will, you know, stop. Yes, getting but at out. the
3: center of it is the working class. Right, that you have to help them. In this, the RSS idea of uh, Saudishi the center is the capitalist class so all the capital all the factory everything will remain with the Brahman Banya class all the others will just serve it's exactly the same thing they have done with the package so all these things they have announced so far is for the owners of the capital, hmm. right? Owners of the factories. It's not direct
1: transfers towards... For anyone. the
3: people, for the working class, what have they done? Hmm. They have removed even the last shreds of security they had by dismantling all labor the laws. labor
1: laws, which is, yeah, more to say. Sorry, sir, you're saying something that Manisha can come... Hmm.
4: In the US, the same thing is happening because everybody has gone to China hmm. for production and sure. everything. In the US, everybody is saying that, yes, we should bring back our manufacturing units here. Now, the US Chamber of Commerce... They check with the uh, you know people who have already gone to China whether you want to come back. Now their production units have already started. they are already so, so they said no, we don't want to come back. Hmm. So I mean right. now now what I'm trying to say that the, uh, the, the laws are such, the global laws, economic laws and business laws are such that uh, it's, it's not that easy. It's extremely <laughs> difficult. For us to become self-reliant.
3: No, but if I think, uh, sorry, just to, if you have the political will, if you want to do it, you can. I mean, the factory owners are refusing to bring it back because it's more profitable for them to keep the factory in China. If the government forces them, like, for example, uh, there was this recent example. uh, What's his name? Richard Branson, that virgin. Hmm, Virgin, yeah. All his money is in a tax haven, right? Right. His companies are in a tax haven. When this thing stopped, so he's asking the British government to bail me out. Hmm. They said, bring your factories here. Yeah. Bring your business here. We'll bill you out. Sure. So you can do that. I no, mean there are ways, there are incentives. Protectionist,
4: you can't become protectionist. A. Yes, voluntarily if you want to come and if you have a good business model in the US, Yeah, you but can I think what that. Miraj is saying no, is I'm saying the, the whether the it's vol- desirable vol- or not is a the, different matter. The I'm the nudge has, if you want to even do it, what you can. Is,
1: what is voluntary, you can have economic nudges that, kar lo, yeah, okay, ye us do Incentives, as they But hmm.
4: I think, Abhi, even if it happens, even if there is a political will, I think it will take us another 25 to 30 years to even reach the level, you know, that we have. hmm, Manisha, your view of the speech. Uh,
1: Clearly, one thing I want to say, clearly the theme was Atmanirbhata. Although my takeaway from the speech is something, I'll come to that later. But But
2: I am very, very with the Prime Minister when it comes to Atmanirbhata. I'm a very, uh, I think I should, my second innings career should be the, I should be like some face of the Swadeshi Jagradman's women's wing or something because I believe in buying absolutely I don't buy Zara I don't buy Mango I don't buy any of these big brands H&M and all I buy Fabinja and and Anoki everything that I wear is... I make it a point that... I'm, I'm very conscious about it. And even in terms of uh, buying local, I make sure that I don't buy from big Indian brands to promote as many of like... So, sometimes buy fabric and get it stitched from a tailor. But here's the thing. These are expensive tastes. <laughs> Not everyone in India can afford to buy... Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Or, or good cotton, for example. And that's really tragic, right? When he talks about um, Atmanibhartha and all that, most of... Just in the textile industry itself, most of these guys don't have the incentives... To to continue in these professions because they are not helped by the government there is a lot of labor that goes behind making good cotton making good ikkath, making good fabric and uh, the return is simply not good enough because of course for people also it's cheaper to buy synthetics you know a t-shirt or a, you know cotton cheaper variety cotton so when he talks of atmanirbhata and all that i think if you just take the example of textile industry we've done really nothing to help them Banaras weavers are a great example. I mean, one of the popular examples. In fact,
1: apparently, we should work on that story. There is a brand of hand loom, which is actually not hand loom. It's machine loom, but it's sold Well, even Fab
2: India is power loom. It's right. not hand loom. And they, right. I mean, they market it as handloom, but it's all power loom. Mm-hmm. Uh, hand loom is actually just Crazy. I mean, it's a lot of hard work, I, I and have it's, a it's, a question. and it can be six hundred rupees to eight hundred rupees a meter, so it's, it's expensive.
3: I have a question. And
2: it should be because it's.
3: Mm. Do you buy Patanjali? Do no, no my
1: mother buys. Fake ah. you
2: have a
3: fake Sardeshi. Okay. <laughs> but I'm. No, but uh-huh.
1: other than this, don't Sardeshi. No, don't
2: <laughs> but uh, Patanjali is better. I have other brands of shampoo and all brand okay. okay. better brands <laughs> of shampoo. Better brands of shampoo. That must be
1: tough. And yeah, but other than that, do you have
2: any other takeaway or not? No, so go local. Go locally. Yes, that I agree with. Okay. On the thing that I, it was quite amusing to say to see everyone misreport his speech, which is I guess it's obvious. So everyone went with that you know headline that twenty lakh crore announced as a package. Mm-hmm. And Modi actually very cleverly said that if we have RBI and if we have a good announcement, and if we have a good announcement, then it will be a 20 lakh money. So it's very clear. And RBI apparently has already injected 10 lakh crore worth of stimuli. So, I mean, um, yeah,
1: injected in various ways. Yeah. I mean, it
3: is notionally, notionally injected.
1: It has not found its way into either manufacturing or the pockets. It is earmarked. It is, a, I mean, it could be a bit like Gujarat, yeah. Mahotsav that I promise I will put up a factory worth 100 billion next year. Whether no, it was put up or not. The order.
3: liquidity, uh, they gave the banks uh, mm. 5 to 6 crore. So, they give it to the banks, but because banks have nowhere to lend to, lend, exactly so they the have question. parked back 8.5 crore with the lakh crore if with the RBI. The RBI yeah. So, they basically have made a profit. So, that's so the,
0: the is, I think, around the lowering of the rate. Yeah. Right.
2: The actual cash flow is pegged around somewhere 4 lakh crore. And even when you look at the microfinance and the, you know, credit lending and all that they're doing with MSMEs, they've basically said that you can take loans. It's still a loan, you know. It's not really a package. Hmm. And uh, or uh, some, uh, they've also announced that we'll give back, you know, every money owed back to corporations and NGOs will be given back. That's returning money. Hmm. You can't add that to, it's not a package. In fact, they announced that we will
1: put the tax refunds to that. You bloody should do tax refunds. Yeah, you haven't been doing it for the longest time without, (laughs) I mean.
2: (laughs) And uh, also the credit line extending 100% guarantee, credit guarantee is fine, but then it depends on how many people default on that loan. Okay, right. So, you know, Even B- reduction?
3: So, so, I think calling bep- it Before, I'll just button. So, despite all the promises by local and everything, I think it's just a jumla. There's a small story in the inside page of uh, Express has reported Shamla Liyadu, brilliant reporter. It's they have, he used to do a lot of RTI related stuff. Yeah, right? I don't know why they have put this in an inside page. So, the story is about, they have set up a group of ministers and a group of ministers has recommended corporatization of agriculture in India. Hmm. I guess it's such an old debate And the irony is The group is headed by The social justice minister wow.
1: In fact I would highly recommend In the mid 90s Late 90s This whole debate of Corporatizing agriculture And they had some examples Of Mexico How fraught with danger it is And just to give you A bit of an idea That then The food grain Or whatever is grown on farms Is not so much driven By what is required But by Just like there is Zinc futures Gold futures There is also Grain futures And then the market starts deciding what you should grow next year, whether it is used or not is a separate matter. And then the whole financial mess where it is not finance that is being used as a tool to develop Main Street. But Main Street, it's like wag the dog. There's
3: a lot of reporting on how this thing has basically wrecked the agriculture sector of East Africa. But this
1: is at the same time the whole World Bank privatization, privatized water... Bolivia, you know, parts of Indonesia, India, in Delhi, that was the rise of Arun Kejriwal also. Yeah. But they had lost that debate. I'm surprised that we are revisiting it now. But we I'm saying. We are so. always 20 years late to anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were saying something before I come in?
4: Another problem with this is, they are. They said that all those which had NPAs, even they will be eligible for... Sure. Uh, they are pushing, I think, a huge money through NBFC. Hmm. But what is NB... Which are the institutions come under N, NBFC we yet to see I think they are going to do that ILNFS
1: but those are already <laughs> half of <laughs> them <have> failed <laughs> but surely th- they can't start giving money to ILNFS no, again no no.
4: listen, listen. <laughs> no no I am telling that you that would be too okay, much forget ILNFS <laughs> Diwan Hmm. Divan Housing. Raheja
1: but love, all the people who are in shit like one year ago, COVID is saving them, are yes. you saying that? Okay. housing
4: corporation. Okay. I mean, whom are you going to give this fund?
1: Okay, so I, I just think a couple of things about his speech. A, it wasn't live, just like his demo, is, because there's a dissolve in the middle. I always look for dissolves in the middle of his speech. That That means he can't even pull this off live. Secondly, I don't know why he had to give such a long speech, half an hour. I mean, he came minutes. to the point like in the 18th or 19th minute.
2: But Y2K <laughs> that y- was that
1: the Y2K I've tweeted that that India saved the world during the Y2K disaster. What Y2K disaster is the biggest joke
2: yeah, in 2000 I when the that. Millennium
1: Transjubi Kota, the new Millennium hit. I mean, like Y2K was the biggest non-event and we saved the world from that non-event. I mean, like <laughs> you know, I, I really want to uh, you know it would be disrespectful for an Indian to ask because you're running around your own Prime Minister. I want someone to ask Trump in the next press conference. What do you think of India having saved us during the Y2G <laughs> crisis? I don't know what will you say. Because even Trump would have more brains than that. Like, make a claim. Don't make such a stupid claim. But on the, you know, on the stimulus, just to give you an idea, the stimulus that, you know, Obama gave post-Lehman was, much of it was in the form of loans. This time, of course, there is, I think, $1,200 or $1,600 $1,200. for three months. No, no, Trump, the first trillion dollar they announced was direct... I think give
3: checks to people.
1: $1,600 directly
3: to everyone. $1,200 $1, $1, into my...
4: Uh, even ah. my son has got
1: that. Your son has also got that. So everybody got irrespective. Okay, now that is directly, it's not guaranteed. But much of the stimulus even now, whether it's the payment protection program, are loans. Now they will understand some of these will be written off. Because the government is backing them. Because if it has failed, we'll pay for it. So then the government, at that stage, it becomes... Whether you do it by printing money, whether you do it by pledging, you know, your public sector unit shares or public sector unit land or whatever you do, at that time you will be doing some direct outflow. But until then, in most parts of the country of the world, a large chunk of the stimulus is in the form of credit extensions or loans. It is not all in the form of direct cash direct transfers. Cash. Although UK, I think a really large amount is direct cash transfers, whether it is salaries being paid directly. Like UK, if we were in the UK, the UK government would say, We'll pay all your employees You don't have to So I'll say bale, bale. No, But in
3: a crisis like this When so many people Are suffering I think that's the best way to do sure. You just put money Directly into the hands Of these things but, And then you help The SMSEs And all the other companies Also MSN But first and foremost Priority should be But I think the problem Sorry right one now. second the, But the biggest
1: problem I thought was And Pragya sorry We'll just wind this up And come back to you I know you've gone For this for too long But you know just is the one thing That the fact that He has come on So many times And not acknowledged The devastation caused to daily laborers Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're on the roads. He has not once said, after the first lockdown, that NGOs, please do something, said that shivir lagao, make sure these people get a place to sleep, make sure they get something to eat. Nothing. He has not even acknowledged that is happening. I think that is disgraceful. And what was unique about lockdown four was Satish Acharya has a beautiful cartoon on this, by the way. It's just brilliant. It's one of the most, is that even the most ardent bhakts I know defended the diya jalao, defended the tali bajao, But this they're not defending. I'm like, why? Okay, I don't know. I think there's defend- defending Modi fatigue that is setting in. I didn't think that would ever happen, but it is. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but we will have a piece on this. Hopefully we have Vivek call yeah. explaining this.
2: Yeah. And I mean, Vivek call in his earlier pieces did write that the economy was anyway, you know, really going for a crash before COVID also. So in some sense, the government doesn't have the kind of money maybe to just you know put out because as economists say there are no free lunches
4: i just want to
3: but Hmm.
2: even so yeah even a lack of acknowledgement of the migrant distress is really callous
3: but that isn't just a modi problem i mean he's acknowledging it when this is i keep saying this all the time this is that particular segment of society which doesn't care i mean just this one example when people started coming back from abroad and they were put up in these really bad uh, mm. quarantine centers. And everybody started saying, put them in five-star hotels, put them in this be thing. Be hotels in. are empty. There nobody was an is saying outrage, this, correct. No, no, nobody is saying, put these, nobody is even thinking about it. Put these migrant laborers in hotels, they're mm, empty. Decently, yeah. At the at best, they're saying, put them in shelter homes. Mm. Nobody is saying, put them in hotels, put <laughs> them in malls or wherever. Exactly. Shansar, you were no, saying no,
4: just one small thing I wanted to add that in the U.S., each individual has got $1,200. Right. It wasn't a family unit. I mean, it's not the, fa- oh, kind of the family is getting. Even a child got uh, $1,200, uh,
3: you
4: know. And in thing. Canada, hmm. it was $2,000 each.
2: One, yeah. one more thing, I think despite uh, despite Modi's first speech of helping out and you know pay your house help and all, you should check now uh, and find out how many people have actually paid their house helps, their gardeners and whoever's come home over the past One month. They haven't. I know in my
1: college, a lot of people have not. I won't um, won't, um, rush to judge those, but I'll come to that. Pragya, you had anything to add on on this issue before we move on to the next? Yes,
0: I mean, more or less everything has been covered. But a couple of points that I wanted to make, just drawing from things that you guys have said. I think it's really, really important that we get a sense of where this, whatever the sum might be. Obviously, it's very, very clear that it's not 20 lakh crore. That's not the actual sum that we are talking about. I think it's really, really important that there is some clarity on where whatever the payout is, whatever the cash outgo might be eventually, we don't have a sense of it yet. Where will it come from? And it's Modi, of course, said absolutely nothing about it. But interestingly, even in the presser, when Nirmala Sitaraman was asked over and over again, where is this money come, going to come from? She completely evaded the question. I think she answered that by saying, Modi ji already said it's going to be 20 lakh crores, And that is something we absolutely need to know because where the money comes from, has huge repercussions on our medium-term and uh, long-term economic future? Are they going to be printing money, which has its own repercussions? Are they going to be borrowing? Is it going to be on uh, you know international borrowing? Is it going to be restructuring the budget? It, it, this is a, a very, very important question that is just completely a mystery to all of us right now. The second thing that kind of struck me was, of course, we've discussed the math of, of this 20 lakh crore sum uh you know it, it includes that 1.7 lakh crores that has already been announced but interestingly he spoke about the rbi liquidity now it's slightly inappropriate again because the rbi technically is uh, and in fact to a great extent even de facto is an independent uh, institution that determines monetary policy entirely by itself so for a prime minister to come and talk about the 8.04 lakh crore liquidity injected uh, into the system by the RBI as if it it's part of what the government has done. is I mean, you know, these things, because it's Modi and we kind of expect so much fluff from him that we these things slip by unnoticed. But, you know, institutionally speaking, that's kind of inappropriate. Um, so that, that's, you know, those are two observations that I had. And, you know, the other thing, of course, is, you know, Nirvana Staravan has announced a bunch of things. It was already addressed that NBFC is extremely problematic. How will these NBFCs be picked is the is is it going to be a sort of direct debt buying by the government? loads of unanswered questions when it comes to how this money is actually going to be spent or it's going to be spent at all? We've heard of packages before, and nobody has any clue. no audit has been done in public about whether or not they came through, whether it was a you know infrastructure package Bihar package all of these things have been announced before, so there's that to consider. It's really sort of disheartening that nothing has been released for the states. I mean, if we all know that the burden of actually taking us through this pandemic and its various repercussions squarely falls on the states and they are in in a financial mess. They just don't have the money to do what they need to do on ground. And I mean, there's been a clamor for the center to announce packages for the states forget about that even if they clear the massive amounts of GST dues that are owed by the center to, to the state that would have been a huge help because that's where really the bulk of work will be done which is and also finally like uh, sorry uh, and finally like someone pointed out earlier that most of the uh, this concession was for you know the capital it's uh, a pity that we are talking constantly about migrant laborers but again there's been uh a clamor from from so many of us that PDS needs to be universalized at this point in time. Mandrega um, wages need to be doubled. MANAs need to be doubled. You know, all of that, that we've been saying, cash needs to be made available widely to people. Kitchens need to be set up. I really wish that there was more of an allocation towards that as well. There's Sorry, some to the microfinance economy institutions,
2: economy. which logically would mean it would go to like poor yeah, but why, people. I, mean, I think the...
1: Our pipelines are so full of rust and lead that, I mean, in a country like America, the reason that, in spite of much criticism, and I don't have a firm position one way or the other, that the stimulus was provided to Wall Street, who caused the problem. And then much of it was paid back because those companies became profitable again. But because the pipelines that they trust, which will eventually get to the, you know, final recipient, are a little more efficient than the pipelines here. So I think that's the problem. But on just this one issue, before I have a couple of emails I'd like to read... On people not paying their stuff. You know, in our colony also, there was much jagda between people. I think people are very quick to, you know, judge and rush. Thanks to our subscribers who pay to keep news free. We may not be living a very lavish lifestyle, but salaries haven't been cut in our organization. And um, we may not have got phenomenal raises, but no salaries have been cut and there were no layoffs. But I know of many people who have been laid off. And I know of two of them who have children in fairly expensive schools. And the trade-off there is, do we pull our child out of that school and that child will be shattered, who's been there for three years in a boarding school? Or do we cut down everywhere else and make sure that child goes there? You know, I think, and I think this is, again, a Twitter thing, like even a journalist, and I've had this criticism before in the past, journalists start saying, oh, bloody, how can you lay off? Do any of you even know how to read a balance sheet? Like, you know, everybody pelos gyan on how to run a business that no one should be laid off. But if you ask them to, Solve this equation. Now solve it. How will this equation work? Even one with 30-30 experience will not be able to solve that equation. So I think there is a haste. Not everybody has a hero or villain. Like boys locker room. There are no heroes or villains. They're confused kids who fucked up.
2: But I mean, I know of people, retired people. No, sure. Those who have pensions, who have regular income coming in,
1: I can understand that. They are just grudging, me don't have 30 days, we won't give you
2: Yes, that you won't come For
1: example, in the newsletter, there is no work for the driver So you won't be driving But of course, you don't do that But people who are doing it for reasons of liquidity I can
3: understand it. No, but Yeah, that's, yeah of course. That's I mean, that's different. Only one yeah. aspect of it. I mean, there are people who don't have anything to give to their workers. So they're in the same boat pretty mm-hmm. much. Exactly, yeah. But there is Ambani ji who gives 1000 crore to PM Care's fund. and 50 to 1000. give yes. 500 on his own and
2: 500 are from the Ambani bad last time he was. Mein... He has doubled the income.
3: No, but he has slashed the income uh, no, of, of his employees. Of their one company. For so one month. Of his own. Petrochemicals business. Employees have been, no, but I think uh, there are many companies cuts. that have given smaller to the smaller PMKS yeah. fund, yeah, yeah. but yeah.
1: have laid off, laid off the network. 18 is also his company, it is a money's company.
3: Huh. Also, one important point oh, I'm I think sure. uh, Pragya raised is this, this uh, problem of center not giving their dues to the states. states, not just like the package, but not even GST dues. Mm. And the problem is that all the burden of handling this pandemic is now In on the, the states, states because yeah. they've just like said we sure. can't do anymore you take care of it and without the money it's going to be very difficult for them to do it
1: so uh, hopefully look forward to the couple of pieces we'll have on this shortly um, once there's a little more clarity uh, so a couple of emails uh, but before I do those emails I just had an announcement that those of you who've been listening to our podcast we've launched a few new podcasts one is highway on my podcast with rock and me and we bring you the highway during this lockdown period until you can get to the highway from our having traveled this country in length and breadth, pretty much every district by road. So check that out. Then a new thing that I'm most excited by is NL versus NL. That's news laundry versus news laundry. Uh, this comes under NL Conversations podcast. You go whatever podcast platform you're on, check out NL Conversations. In that there is NL versus NL with us in the team who often agree with disagree with each other. Uh, much as many people say that you're all in a bubble. Uh, But we more often than not disagree with each other. There we debate each other on issues that we disagree with each other with. And that is also open to subscribers. So if you're a newsletter subscriber, you've been sent a form which you can fill in on various issues where you stand and you will have a match made, either someone within the team or another subscriber, and you can debate with each other. And uh, therefore, uh, we can see that not everybody who is either in the team or subscribes to NL... ...agrees with each other. In fact, I think last NL versus NL... ...we had a subscriber versus an NL team member. So we had Shardul, our in-house New Zealand team member... ...debating a subscriber. Dheeraj on. Should government spend on welfare? I see. So I checked that out. And um, if you're missing on Hafta letters being read out... Uh, ...make sure the word Hafta is in the subject line... ...so the subscribers' letters will be read out. And might I also here remind you to pay to keep news free? If you've seen the Times of India today... There's a full-page ad of uh, Arvind K. Jival's beautiful face smiling at us. Uh, In case you're thinking, oh, what a coincidence, Times of India is not going at up these days. (laughs) Now you know why. That is true for every government ad. And at a time when the private sector already wouldn't even give you money to pay whatever past dues, uh, it is unlikely they'll be advertising. So every week or month, expect a different state government's chief minister on your front page. And that month, assume that you will not get any critical coverage <laughs> for <from> that state. <laughs> and then, of course, then Modi's full page is out. So, if you're one of those who whine says, ''Yaar, media bika ua, wo hai.'' So, who have you killed India for independence? We have about 4, 000, 4 000 paying subscribers who are making sure that our staff is paid so all of you get the benefit of all the reports that we do. So, about 4-4,500 four, four people are paying for the lighthouse and that lighthouse is lighting a lot of others. So if you have the money, and dude, if you're a student and all, mooch as much as you want. In fact, hack into a paywall and take the content. I will not grudge you that. But if you have the money, and you're whining about the media, and you're doing jack shit to support independent media, well, you are quite like the Atman Deerbar types. <laughs> so uh, go to newsronny.com, click on the top right-hand corner, and pay to keep news free. And if you have no shame, go buy a 500-rupee you know, packet of cigarettes, and sp- spend it. on others and then over cigarettes say, oh, your media bikaw wai. Hena? That, that'll solve the problem, as we all know. Too harsh? Chalega. Chalega. No. no, because you know, on daily dose, they are so nice, the appeal to our subscribers, Nigda and all. Ayush, if you like our work, please consider subscribing. I was like, dude, no, that <laughs> that is too polite. But this email is from Dhruv. Hi, Hafta team, I'm a subscriber. My name is Dhruv. My question is on the recently UP government launched Ayush Kavach COVID app. UP government is your
2: name? Ayush Kavach COVID app? They made it mandatory.
1: Oh, sorry. They made it ma- Okay, right.
2: You can't uh, board a trade now.
1: Yeah. The basic thing that app does is it helps people to get help. So you want to say something? No.
4: Uh, even, uh, I think, uh, there is a news mm. that they are going to open metro. So, if you want to board a metro, you have to have Ayush. Uh,
1: okay. So, Dhruv asks that it helps people get health remedies which can be useful to fight against COVID-19. And the app is being developed by the Ayush ministry. I just can't understand one thing. Why the state and the center... Oh, on Aroge Setu and Ayush Kavach. Why are they giving names by digging up so much
3: into Hindu mythology? <laughs> Dhruv, that's your biggest problem it's with this? problem. <laughs> but that's okay. That, by the way, isn't just a BJP problem. I mean, this is one of the problems that's been with the Indian state since the beginning. This drawing on Hindu mythology. If you go yeah. to Kashmir, so even the army, the most secular of the institutions supposedly, hmm. you'll see their vehicles with saying in huge letters, Arjun, Vajra, Hanuman. Mm, this, right. Those are the names of the vehicles. So
1: that's
0: uh, uh, a general problem, not BJP or WhatsApp. Guys, Arogya Setu just means a bridge to health. I'm not sure it has any mythological <laughs> connotations. Yeah, I mean it is kind of. But di- even if it concept. does,
2: I, I don't see any problem with it. It's fine. I, I mean, I,
1: I joined the subscribers group on WhatsApp, and I found your number there. Can I ask you questions there? Well, you can't ask questions there, Dhruv, because there's so many. I'm on every group. And they're like groups for the US. There's the subscriber group for Canada, for Europe, for Delhi. So if everybody starts asking me questions there, then, you know, I'm done. So we have started this Zoom call feature, which you're going to do twice a month. We did one earlier and it'll be uploaded soon. Where For about an hour, hour and a half, the team is available. And we like take scores of questions in that hour, hour and a half. So you can come on that and that is for subscribers only.
3: Next one is on 30th of this month.
1: Oh, next one is on the 30th of May. So do join in on that and you can ask us questions there. Uh, then Sandeep says, I have been a New Zealand subscriber for a while. Hafta is a podcast I have been hooked on for the longest. It's been seven years and New feels so personal. It's not just a subscription anymore. Great to see the NL enterprise grow and flourish the way it is. Thanks Sandeep. It's because of people like you and Drove and others and not for people who are listening to this for free and saying, oh, I do I pay money? This email is in reference to the Indian journalistic community's response to the Pulitzer Prize being awarded to the Kashmiri photojournalists. I think a fair number of Indian journalists, apart from being biased, are also outright dim and incompetent, holding narrow <laughs> worldviews. Okay, Sandeep, you really don't, you don't pull your punches, okay? This well, you'll holds, get
2: along well. I'll for somebody well. who is a head of a uh, media company, you have a lot of disdain for journalists. I think you'll agree with them.
1: I don't have disdain for journalists. I have a disdain for their business understanding. Twice
2: a day, you say at least ki journalists are so dumb. No, no, that's a dumb no,
1: thing I always say business. They're really I don't dumb say they are nothing. <laughs> I say they will be amazing on this, and they'll have spent 30. But you ask them, this balance sheet bade ke batao." They won't read but they'll join the Don't do See again, you just need anyway. <laughs> so this holds true for the entire spectrum, right, left, and center. Okay, so on this, Sandeep has said, "Sab I recollect Jaggi kick off a conversation on one of the media rumbles, saying a journalist tends to work in an ideological framework. That is probably the most foolish thing I've ever heard from a journalist. I acknowledge we all operate through biases and values we are brought up with. But that doesn't mean you view every story through that prism. More so for a journalist. A story like demonetization should not have a right or left to it. It's like journalists just have one job and that is being objective or trying to be objective. Some of them don't even make an attempt. I often wonder about the schooling some of these journalists go through. (laughs) How fragile are their values that commerce or bias can so easily turn them into mouthpieces? there probably isn't another profession that rewards incompetence as much as journalism does. That I agree. It's obviously wrong to generalize the whole community and I acknowledge there are a lot of people doing phenomenal work but a profession that functions for and by public viewership warrants more discipline and scrutiny. Is this more of a societal problem with one's personal value integrity or one to do with lack of professionalism in the the broader community or is it me being overreactive and other professions are just as bad? Sandeep. So, would you like to answer Sandeep's question? Is he being too harsh or fair or Pragya want to go first?
0: And well, I don't know. This is a bad week too. It's a very powerful letter and kudos to you, Sandeep, but it's a very bad week given uh, that I am completely riled up about how journalists are being treated across the country, mm. uh, including the cases in Gujarat and in Himachal Pradesh. Being etc. locked up, yeah. So, um, yes, well, uh, corporate media ownership, I think the, uh, the Abhinandan, despite being as harsh as he was, hit the nail on the head when he said that, well, until and unless you really you know, work towards uh, making uh, health media become free, you are part of the problem and you cannot expect integrity. You cannot really expect independence and you cannot expect perhaps standards either. Let's not forget that money doesn't just, lack of money is not, doesn't just make you susceptible to, uh, you know, censorship. It also kind of affects your standards and we don't have money to send out investigative journalists, learn right. from the job, come back, etc, etc. So, I mean, money is a huge problem. Um, lack of good educational institutions when it comes to journalism, Gen- generally higher education is a problem. Schooling, of course, is poor standards in the country. And we don't spend time on mentoring journalists. Uh, we don't have that kind of luxury, again, because of the, the sort of very oppressive economical situations that we operate newsrooms under. Uh, rule of law is a huge, huge problem. I think the fact that we cannot take freedom for granted in this country, we don't know where you'll come at, it, at us from and when. Uh, is is a is a huge deterrent for us to kind of really push and uh, the envelope and try to uh, go beyond the call of duty. I think just just some of these things. I mean, it sounds like I'm trying to make an excuse on behalf of journalists, but I'm I mean they are part of a context, and unless you evaluate the entire ecosystem, you can't really just uh, you know it's not really just. Just them in isolation. They're not
1: outliers. Anyone else wants to weigh in on Sandeep's letter? Uh,
3: I think he is right about it, that it's a, it's a social problem. It's not just limited to journalism. You look at the bureaucracy, you look at the lawyers, even the medical profession. I mean, doctors are people who you should be able to trust the most. But in these days, in this crisis, we have cases where doctors have turned patients and been bigoted and all that stuff. So this mm. is a social problem. I think there's this I think I said this before also there's a very evocative Arabic phrase which mm. kind of describes it. It's called Kahtur Rijal, that's what India is facing a famine of men. Man of integrity, of character, of good, this thing.
1: But in the 2020 context, we should be famine of people.
2: Ah, don't say uh, man. Yeah,
1: I mean, that <laughs> is I how was it just says. Say. Rijal is man. Ask yours. Ask yours my you, place. You have anything to say a Sandeep's letter? Manisha? No, nothing. Raman, I think sir? really
2: strong. But yeah, on the incompetence bit. Oh, you'll, a lot of journalists also get together and discuss this. Ki, how did this incompetent journalist reach? No, but I'll tell so. you,
1: it's a combination of many things. You know? One that, is, like Pragya said, I think there are very few professions in the world and especially so in the Indian context where the rule of law is optional you have to be as brave with as few resources it is easy for Azim Premji, Mukesh, Ambani or Shah Rukh Khan or Amir Khan to be brave even though sometimes they're not but it is very difficult for a person who gets 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 even 70, 80,000 rupees a month and if you have a family to feed to be brave but they are brave so I'd say journalists as a generalisation and generalisation are not always accurate are like Bheem they're very brave but they're very dumb very often and no, it is not an outlier. I think it is not unique to journalists. In my 20 years of having dealt with dozens of lawyers, I will tell you the same is true for lawyers also. And shockingly so. But unlike cinema and journalists, where every day your, your work is scrutinized by thousands and millions, and because we are reporting, I'm not a journalist, but the others are, are reporting facts, it becomes a lot more evocative. So... There, yes, I think they get a shorter end of the stick. They are not credited with the bravery that they have. But I think in their combat mode, because a journalist's default setting is combat, they wade into territories where they haven't examined everything or may not have quite, you know, taken a considered view. They said, «Chalo, let's fight». They're basically like Delhi University students in the 80s.
0: Wow. Can I just again play the devil's advocate here and uh, just just say that well that's technically the definition of being a journalist. You have to at some level be a master of all trades because you have to write and report about every other damn thing. The only thing is that of course you should have time to be able to research a topic, to be able to actually go in depth and, but that's not rewarded. I mean, part of it is the, the, how we consume news right now. Nirmala Raman has made a statement. You have like 10 minutes to, uh, A, you're hiring, not you, but like most people are hiring fresh out of college people who have to write a commentary on it. They're going to troll Twitter, pick up something that Mahir Sharma said and some 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 other economist said on Twitter and just paste it. I mean, they don't really have the time. We we are also as editors not giving them the luxury to say, hey, you then fiscal policy resources that's a very no good
1: burden, point
0: nobody will care about Nirmala Sitaraman's package
1: I think that's a good point journalists are the burden of having to be experts in everything mm. And some one person will point out that you want I know, to... Hmm. I
2: mean, the way out was also to develop a beat and develop an expertise. And I do think, and especially I think this is worth remembering, because social media is now such an important part of brands for journalism. I think it's good to sometimes not have a view on things. I mean, this need to rush in and give a point have of view on everything. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you should, there should be few areas that you should have a command over and you should aim towards and that. I think I don't think you should be like... I think that's a social
1: media thing. People want to quick to take a position. But it's very
3: difficult to do that when the whole journalism ecosystem, at least most of it is geared towards producing content. And taking a position. Just content generation, content generation. Right. So you don't have that much of luxury of time and resources to do good stuff.
1: Two more quick mails. This is from Salman. Hi, Salman here. I'm a newish subscriber. And glad to have access to the content that you open to us as a result. I look forward to Hafta and Charcha each week. I love how each podcast is an exposition of the diversity of the team's opinion. I look forward to each change of topic to see how the panel gets realigned. Like the scale of believing in the technical independence of Kashmir marked lowest to highest from Anand to Mehraj. <laughs> yeah, there was a spectrum of <laughs> what we thought of that. I also appreciate Anand for being an example of disingenuous manipulation of facts. Based on internal biases not that a compliment, can be, is that? that can be done in very a non sly. No, but he's saying it can be done in a non-toxic manner. I think what he's it's, that so yeah, is it's not not a, a very
2: backhanded Yeah, but
1: <laughs> it's 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 still more polite than the kind of I get. Mm, yeah,
2: true.
1: Especially on my understanding of gender. It is cute when he tries to obfuscate from the nub of the argument by going on a long historical lecture to throw things off track. Case in point, trying to add nuance to the laborers in Karnataka and then saying at the end that he was against the restrictions all along. Newson is hands down the best of your audiovisual content.
2: Excellent. Thank you for that. Manisha, thank you for being clear problem. that no
1: journalist on any side is a holy cow. I wish I could write and articulate an opinion that well.
2: Thank you. All right. You're so, the best. You're the and the smartest.
1: By the way, uh, we have two, two emails. Uh, this which I won't read because one of them is 1521 words long. It's Rahul Raman. Rahul has written about the Vizag gas leak explanation. And it is, Rahul actually, Raman and I saw it. It is so technical. The only reason we didn't carry it is I think it can only be understood either by scientists or or engineers. So thank you so much for sending it to us. We all saw it, all the editors, but we just can't carry it. It is way too technical for us to kind of understand or even figure out what is a fact check because Rahul, I'm sure you're very competent and you know your stuff, but editorial filters require us to go through a process to make sure there's some fact checking. But what you've sent to us is way beyond our pay grade. We can't understand those (laughs) those things
2: those ties facts. back to the we can't even check
1: those facts letter so that on. is why it wasn't published but thank you for sending it and M has sent a rebuttal to N's letter last week M we actually might publish a part of your letter it's very articulated very well who's on, N? N had written, N a, had let, written, had written a letter, letter yeah. last time and, and basically N had said that call them she, for
2: NL after NL no, versus NL she had
1: said those. that it's very difficult to deal with my mother who's a bhakt and while it's easy for Abhinandan to say I had Pragya, just for context I had prescribed on the podcast that if someone can't even stand up for basic human values, you shouldn't care whether they're your relatives or cha-cha, taya, mama, papa. So N had, as usual, put me in my place by saying that is not a sensible thing to do. It doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't make them see reason. And you can't live your life like that. So these are the reasons people are like that. And M has come up with another critique. Although M agrees to a large extent, M has tried to kind of deconstruct why do people think like that? Not because they're bad or evil, but it's a colonial mentality, which has led to a you know underconfidence and a complex of being inferior because you were taken over by another power, and you compensate for that feeling of inadequacy. So it's quite a long and interesting piece. So MV, I can't read 2,000 words here, but we might publish it. I will let. Raman sir decide that
0: I think I read this Abhinandan, I have also written a letter while listening to this to you oh you have yeah have you uh, it's a very short note which goes thank you for a very entertaining uh, another very entertaining episode of Hafta but I am very very disappointed as a listener that you failed to discuss the label or changes that are being made in this country and their repercussions we
1: are coming to that now yay okay so (laughs) I okay but I haven't got to this thing yet so those are the uh, three emails this is not the end, by the way. Our hafta is usually 1 hour 50 minutes, Pragya. Wow. I hope you are not planning to go. It should
2: end in yeah, the next 15-20 really minutes, though.
1: Yeah, dude. Because this is the only time where people get listen to over Saturday, Sunday. I've been told by subscribers. Actually, now to he must be... Uh, sorry, bro, I've forgotten your name. He used to drive every weekend to, I think, visit his parents, like in the US. From, I think, he was studying, doing some postdoctoral thesis in Massachusetts. To, I don't know, where, like f- five hours. So he says, basically, that five-hour drive, I listen to Hafta, I listen to offer and all. that. It's like, so it's a long, long thing. So, yeah, those are the emails. Now let's go to the labor laws. Pragya, you kick this off.
0: I'm going to take a very long time, Abhinandan. Okay, so start, uh, start uh, ringing a bell when you're like quite done. With
1: done, it. you go for it.
0: Okay, no, I mean, very, very simply, uh, I'm at the risk of sounding patronizing. For those of you who don't know what we speak of when we speak of labor laws, it's a... Uh, it it isn't really codified. It's a it's quite a gigantic mess. There are close to forty state labor laws. It's concurrent subject, which means states and the center can make laws regarding labor issues. So we about forty labor laws in states, and we have uh, oh no no sorry uh, what am I saying hundreds of labor laws in states and forty from the center. So that's what we talk about when we talk about labor laws. But uh, you know the. The way in which these labor laws, I won't even call them reform because that's really dignifying what is being done. It's abject deregulation. And the reason why it's really problematic is not because we don't have a good case to make for reforms. Reforms are long overdue. They are needed, badly, badly needed. But this is not how you do reform. You do reform by A, considering evidence, talking to experts taking stakeholders on board, making sure that there is some level of consensus somewhere. Here you have BMS, which is such a massive part of the RSS opposing the labor law reform. So you can imagine how little they've done for consensus building. And forget about everything else. I mean, the bare minimum that is legislative process, even that has been bypassed. It's being done through ordinances in most of these states. So So, uh, if you could
1: just, Pragyat, uh, I mean, I know you can't go through all three states. And as you said, it's a state subject. But yeah. if, Mota, Mota, if you could just put four or five bullet points of the, the implications of this uh, before you go on to critique the rest.
0: Okay, so essentially the uh, UP is the most extreme example of what has happened. They've essentially deregulated entirely, which means only three very, very basic labor laws are still going to be applicable and the rest of them are all out of the window. Roughly, these uh, labor laws consist, you know, they, they basically regulate wages, they regulate the health and safety conditions, they regulate regulate social security and welfare, and they regulate industrial relations. These are the four broad heads under which all, all of these labor laws are being or have been made. So UP has thrown all of it out. MP, Himachal, a lot of these have kind of taken out some of them, kept some of them, etc. But suffice to say, it's going to take very long to go individually through all the, like I said, there are hundreds of them. But suffice to say that the protections offered under these four broad heads have been massively diluted, massively, massively diluted, and this is problematic because in any case, enforcing these uh, sort of protections was always it, it didn't really. I mean, they didn't. They were laws on paper, but they were not really always implemented. They were not really always enforced. And we also have to remember when we frame the debate as capital versus labour, it's problematic because labor has very it doesn't have equal bargaining power workers just don't have equal bargaining power they don't have access to justice our we've talked about rule of law before Our criminal justice system is terribly terribly broken i mean the just the thought that a laborer or a worker could you know go file an fir file a complaint take a case to court and win it be able to afford lawyers is preposterous even if they had bargaining power so you know, that is the reason why we had a lot of these laws in place. The other issue, of course, is that, you know, people are going on, the people who are defending these sort of what they call reforms are they going on saying that the reason why we have such a large informal economy is because businesses were just fed up of these regulations and did not want to comply because, they, you know, there was rent seeking by inspectors, there was corruption, et cetera. And therefore, they just fail to register workers. And this logic, basically, if you, you know, come down to it, could be extended to saying we should have no criminal laws because criminal laws at first pass are enforced by the cops. And the cops, we all know, are political creatures. They Mm. have biases and they are by and large corrupt. So we should just do away with all criminal laws. I mean, instead Mm. of reforming compliance and instead of rationalizing laws, instead of reforming enforcement, you've basically thrown the baby with the bathwater. And as far as evidence on informalization is concerned, there's absolutely no evidence. In fact, ILO says that it is one of the many, many, many determinants of informalization across the world. And UNDP also has very strong evidence to support this. I'm happy to kind of cite these papers. They are studies by people who know what they are doing. The second thing, of course, that people are going on about why why this is ostensibly being done is so that, you know, we we can spur economic activity. I mean, the idea is that you do away with labor regulations and suddenly businesses are going to be uh, interested in investing in growth and, you know, in putting up factories, etc. This is, again, there is very little evidence historically for this. There is a solid World Bank study on India that it says, in fact, that says that in fact, labor laws are the fifth biggest problem. You know, we have. What are the first problems.
1: four? One, one I'm sure is getting permissions from government departments.
0: Of course, I mean, you know, you don't do away with rent seeking can... corruption just because you do away that's endemic. It happens everywhere. There's there's land law issues, there's infrastructure issues. You can't enforce contracts. Rule of law is just what it is. Human capital investment is abysmal. Access to credit is abysmal. There is no policy certainty. I mean, this is another issue, right? Most of these labor laws have not been reformed. They've just been suspended for one period in time. You are not going to attract serious long-term capital when businesses don't know what is going to happen after three years. They don't know if this is going to be the policy or something else is going to be the policy. This is just basic common sense. You need policy certainty and predictability to attract long-term capital. So again, there is no proof that this is actually going to spur economic activity, right? So the other issue that's going to happen is, now there's extensive evidence on it, that the wages in the informal sector are just a fraction of what they are in the formal sector. And the reason for that is minimum wages, because that was being imposed by the government through legislation. Now, When you do away with minimum wages what you're going to do is you're going to drive down wages.
1: So, are they saying yes, that they have it. done away with it or have they reduced the minimum wage or there is no
0: minimum wage now? So, it, it there are very conflicting reports. It, it You have to remember that, again, these are ordinances. They are very skeletally written. In fact, even with UP, it's not exactly clear what they are suspending and what they are not suspending. But, mean, let me just say that the attitude of the state here is that we are just go ahead and, you know, these changes, these sort of formal... They're just taking a
1: flamethrower to a problem. So, even the fine print, where you don't have much faith will be sensible.
0: Yeah, not just that. I think the general attitude and the general signal being sent to business owners is that, look, we are going to be looking the other way when it comes to labor laws for the next couple of years or months or whatever the time span may be, right? So, any way where there was little enforcement, you are now talking about no enforcement whatsoever, Right? And the two areas that it's going to impact the most, one is wages. When wages start to fall, it's going to drive the demand further down. So, you know, you're addressing supply-side problems ostensibly, and that we don't know if this is really going to address, but you're trying to do that. But on the other hand, you're basically, you know, doing something that could drive your demand to the ground. And the other huge issue is health and safety. I mean, on the one hand, you know, the National Disaster Management uh, Authority is issuing these SOPs about how testing needs to be done for a week before you reopen, etc., etc., etc. On the other hand, most of these people have just completely thrown out the Factories Act, which, and we don't know what's going to really happen when it comes to health and safety of these workers. So, I mean, as it is, it was the conditions were abysmal. Now you don't even have it on paper. So,
1: also, uh, thanks for that, by the way. That was extremely informative. In fact, that's a long. Sorry,
0: I know I went on and on. No, and on. but Can it I, was if, a... one final thing, please. please? I promise it will be the last. One. Yes. You know, there's there's so much talk of you hear all of these economists going on about how a lot of they'll they'll name Western economies mostly and say they have grown because they have the freedom to hire and fire at will. Hmm. What they fail to mention is that they also have, most of them, social security nets. They have unemployment benefits. They have reskilling programs. So when you throw, you know, you throw a worker out summarily out of a factory, they don't just... Fall away. They have some kind of a net to catch them. They can access some kind of unemployment benefit. We have none of those things.
1: In fact, the, I mean, if they were to read the data of how many people starve to death in a country like America, they would be. Then you are comparing, you know, apples to apples. But on what you've said, I think uh, one of the important thing that labor laws or even the advocates or one or the other, you know, forget is the context that we live in. Even with the laws that one has, how many laborers do you know have the upper hand? I think hmm. basically after the Bombay mills shut in the 60s, 70s, when was it shut? Thi wo. Hmm.
2: George Fernandes' time? When was
1: it? The mills. Yes. The mill There were cases chal rahe And the sugar industry, there were a lot of sugar mills that shut down and they were taken over by depending on who was in power and Samajwadi Party was in power it was taken over by Samajwadi Party's people when Mayavji was in power it was Mayavati's people and whoever was in power all the cash for those bills used to come from Subrat Rai so of course that's another story if we could go back in time and do it but the reasons for that were very different and today because of that they are saying this is what a labour union can do which it did at the time and I think most recently uh, I think Godrej has won the case right that who owns and In Parelia, they have like prime land, like that mill is just lying there. And there was a case between the mill owners and labor that who does it belong to? Because these mills are given for a particular purpose by the government, right? So I think that mindset was such an overwhelming mindset for such a long time that people have completely forgotten the context that that shit hasn't happened since. Now people have laid off, fired. Forget laid off and fired, you don't bloody pay people and they'll still work for you, Yeah. Every, by the way, if you live in a South Delhi society, this is before news came about and I realized much later that the guy who was the contractor in one of the societies uh, here in South Delhi was doing it because one of those people I met, what they do is they get these, I, I mean, if you've seen the guards, they are just guys, men in uniform. Like if one of them can probably be beaten up by an undernourished child, they're just standing there in the uniform. So they would get these guys from the village. They say, New bandas would come. So he actually could run an operation of supplying 100 guards to a housing society by not paying 50 of them and getting the full... So you're living in a society where in any case, the little guy has no safety net, not just officially through social security. He has nowhere to go.
4: They are the most vulnerable people, most vulnerable
0: class and laws were made... Especially right now, sorry to cut you, but what awful timing. I mean, this is the this is when I in any case they don't have anything don't so badly mm. uh, even
4: I mean I have the same problem you can't codify human behavior mm. you come up with laws or you, you, you remove certain laws like factory laws and all even then these uh, people will come up with ideas to circumvent it mm. I'll give you one example of uh, DNA DNA was I mean, shut the newspaper was shut so, the union is fighting against that. They have shut the organization. Just to prove that the DNA is not shut, they have kept one accountant and <laughs> one clerk. <laughs> <laughs> and and they have kept two persons on the website. Right. Okay. So, so, how they are trying to mm. prove in a court of law that we are not shut. Huh? But we had certain... These problems, so we had to mm. do away with this, you know, the production and all. So, so I mean,
2: you know, it's interesting that you say that because that, that ties into how the media has been covering it. Most mm. of these media houses do have cases with unions. HT, mm. including HTS, are a long-standing yes. case with unions.
3: Yes, I think uh, Pragya covered most of the aspects yeah. very well. Mm. So, just a couple of points. One problem is uh, you were talking about this backlash against unions. This happened the world over, especially in like US yeah. and UK. That was the one of the reasons for the rise of Thatcher and Reagan in U.S. One one aspect is that. Another point is, when you talk about uh, repealing these laws, it's not like some people got together someday and made these laws. These concessions, these rights have they been won over for decades and centuries. People have shed their blood for these things. 8-hour, if you read the history of the 8-hour workday, I mean, people have sacrificed their lives over years, over, over, over centuries. There have been massacres on the way. So it's not, and like Pragya also pointed out, these are just ordinances. One yogi ji just got up and wrote something, and it's all. In fact, done, now they're saying it will be 12
1: hour shift. there. Yeah. One of the states has prescribed And all these
3: protections that, right? are just so done away with, like they don't said mean the shift anything. will
0: be longer, 72 hours uh, work weeks and and you have be upset that you don't even have to pay extra for the overtime they aren't even waiting for the assemblies
3: to Mm -hmm. convene and just do the laws like you are supposed to do that's one aspect another aspect is if you really unpack the thinking behind this you'll see how morally and ethically really horrible it is so what is the idea here the idea is you will strip away all these regulations you'll strip away all these rights why because so, so you will have more economic activity, more prosperity. But at the same time, you are saying you will have more economic prosperity, you will have more growth. But the people who are primarily responsible for creating that prosperity, they should have no share in it. In fact, not even have no share in it. They should have even less share than they used to before. What kind of a moral? What kind of a moral vacuum you have to have inside you to come up with that kind of an argument?
2: So I think like listening to all of you. The, it's very crazy that people are actually calling this labor reforms, because reforms, by their definition, should be helping the word that precedes reform, like agricultural reform, whatever. How is the labor being helped here? Like how is it a labor reform? How is the labor force benefiting from this? I think the easiest
3: way to figure out if they really mean it is just start with themselves. Like people who are saying all these protections are not needed in their own offices, in their own workplaces, start this work eighteen hours a day,
2: twelve hour working day without extra. It's just crazy. Twelve hour in a on a shop floor without even extra. There are
3: hundreds of studies which say like if you work eight hour, it didn't just come out of nowhere. There's a sense to it. If you're exhausted, you just can't work.
1: But I think what I've, um, my brilliance with forgetting names continues, but two weeks ago, there was this conservative columnist from the New York Times on Bill Maher's show. And he actually said that, you know, the Great Depression gave us the likes of Hitler. There was a tendency of saying, this guy will solve my problems because everyone had such, there was no other way to do it, right? There was no, there was no hope. So someone gave them a pipe dream and said, okay, I'm a strong man, I can do it. He said, We have yet to see in an age that is already consumed by populist autocrats all over the world, whether it's South America, North America, Asia. The COVID crisis is that on drugs because it is, you know, all that and it also inhibits us in lots of other ways. And I think a classic example of this is something like this, a law like this, in ordinary times, even if it's motivated trade unions. to If nothing else, Chandrasekhar would have said, Chalo. Bhenji could she would have made some noise and... But now because of COVID, you can't even do that. Because then they will come after you, not because they'll say, no, we are not doing it because you're opposing this. We are doing it because you are breaking bloody social distancing. social distancing. So
3: this is the time they can get away with shit that in ordinary times they could not have. You mentioned Hitler. One of the first things he did after taking power is he just demolished labor laws, labor protections, mm. labor unions. That was one of the first things he did.
2: But I've just on the last thing, Pragya, I am curious to know uh, the RSS's response to this, their labor wing, because this is the biggest, right, the Mazdoor.
0: We are doing a Bharatiya Mazdoor. Yeah, they, How come they... very strongly against it. Very, very strongly. So that against should
2: put some pressure on these. On the state government, yeah, BGP government? You know, I mean,
0: the BMS has frankly been on a. I've been sort of tracking this since Modi came to power from 2015. They, uh, they because, you know, this labor law, whatever changes or deregulation has been on their agenda from the word go. And they've been trying to dilute it little by little by little. And they've just kind of taken the hammer to it, finally taking advantage. And like, exactly like Avinandan said, of this lockdown. The BMS is like that, that frog, you know, which is put into water and then the water slowly simmered to a boil, right? Mm. 2015, the BMS was up in arms against the very thought of it and they were really bargaining with the government. JTG was alive then and I would be staying in their office and calls would be coming, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. And they were really putting pressure. But they have kind of been manipulated by the government or I don't want to say manipulated, they've succumbed, whatever you want to say, by the combination of the government and the RSS sort of leadership to a very weak position so i am kind of interested and and frankly this is this is not surprising because trade unions like someone was saying earlier post the maybe you know the reliance and the bombay trade, uh, you know uh, mill crisis etc trade unions have really lost their teeth and a large part of it has to do with sort of polit- politicization and political control of trade unions they they are really not fair and able representatives of labor so bms was going that way but it's interesting that it suddenly sort of had this resurrection where it's uh, making these kinds of noises all over again it remains to be seen how much of pressure they'll be able to they'll have to lobby the government through the rss executive if they manage to pull it off because the center a lot of this these ordinances are still with the center and there is you know they need to be ratified then then there may be some decent pushback from that end when the labor law reforms were proposed, by the way, the Bharatiya Sang had really done back-channel lobbying with the government through the RSS executive against it. Which is why they kind of, as much as people hailed it as Raghun Gandhi's victory, it was probably the Bharatiya Sang's victory.
1: Right. Um, now, I would like to wind up after reading these letters, but I would just like your views on one thing. So keep your views thought through and ready. So I'll ask the question, I'll go into the letters and I'll come back for your views. This is just something I thought of yesterday before. I think Karuna Anandi had tweeted out that um, uh, Mamta Banerjee and Smriti Rani and all the women leaders are always referred to by their first name. Mamta, Smriti. Whereas the men are either called Mr. or by the surname. We don't say Narendra, we don't say Devinder, we say but Fadnaves. But we say Rahul. We said, yeah, so, so I, I mean, I just want to know yeah, that...
0: Yeah, i look at
1: people in pressers, call him Rahul. So, is there is there sexism there? So, I just want to, because I, I, I was, I was like, are we like really stretching it or is there? Or maybe because I thought, how I can Modi, I can speak Fadnaviz, I can speak I can speak Thakre, I can speak Aditya, I can speak I don't know, so, I, but first I'll go these, i just... Collect your thoughts and tell me what your views are on this. And if you don't have a view, that's also fine. Rohit Rawat writes, he is stuck in Mumbai. He's stuck in Dehradun, but he's from Mumbai. And basically he says, my college made me take hepatitis B vaccine when I came to Mumbai. Last week I had dengue and realized there is no vaccine. He says no vaccine for HIV AIDS. He's saying basically, there's so many things that no vaccines for. Are we really? And there are over 200 strains of flu. Are we going a bit overboard in like saying, lock everything down and nothing will move? Uh, and the second thing he says is, I tune into Hafta majorly for Anand and Maharaj. I hear enough of Abhinandan and Manisha throughout the week. I miss some right-wing voices on Hafta. I sometimes feel I'm living in a bubble. He went on Kora and he says that was a mistake because that has complete loony voices. (laughs) He says the mother is a bhakt and I've been schooling on basics of everything from politics to governance. But I don't want to hate Modi or Gandhi or anyone else. I don't want her to hate Modi or Gandhi or anyone else. But I do want her to know the lies on the lips and a minor disagreement with Anand on alcohol as being treated as an essential he says for many people it is an essential especially when he was studying there were a lot of people who actually used that while they were studying
2: told you, yeah it is
1: so uh, and he says that he's really pissed off his brother uh, works for I guess I don't want to your brother may get fired Yeah, but uh, uh, and his uh, his brother's salary was cut for the PMCAS fund he was really angry so dude you shouldn't reveal your, what your brother does suppose I were to read his name they'd track him down and fire him and uh, he has a recommendation on, a, on the COVID science show. And he wants some recommendations for decent right-wing voices to follow. Good luck with that. We've been looking as well.
2: <laughs> so we've been looking
1: as Sanket Kulkarni says, uh, he's doing his master's in France. He's been a great fan of news laundry. Cheers to independent journalism. My favorite is Manisha. I feel the panel Good is taste. sometimes biased to the <laughs> left on economic issues. When I was listening to last week, comment on ob- abolition of labor laws... Many are against it I have a few questions if there are no jobs for laborers or the use of stringent labor laws we need to think who exploits labor more state or industry uh, so we shouldn't just see the industry as the enemy and keeping hundreds of laws and not opening up for natural demand and supply will hamper growth so i guess sanket you've got a full tutorial on this thanks to a wonderful pragya who has come informed and armed with facts and nachiketa uh, say this huh. one
3: point about if there are no jobs and then when this comes from
1: a very that's busted. That's a myth. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, a lot of what he says, uh, the data doesn't support that, yeah, uh, Sanket, uh, about this whole thing. In fact, it's similar to that if you give tax cuts to the rich, they plow it back into the economy by, by hiring more people. There is data to suggest. In fact, NPR has a phenomenal podcast where, you know, because in economics, you can't recreate the same experiment like you did in science. You can't say, okay, there's a there's depression, we'll do X. Okay, now let's see if X was better or Y, then let's create another depression and do Y. You can't do that A-B testing. But in this podcast, at the same time, post Lehman, they picked one state in the US that cut, uh, you know, state expenses and cut uh, taxes to the rich. And one that did the opposite. And after 10 years, they actually tracked who emerged better. So a lot of these things that are sold to us don't have data backing them.
3: No, also, this one point, it's often been said, if there are no jobs, what's the point of it? But that presumes that a job is a an and an end in itself rather than a means to an end. Right. So if you have a job which doesn't improve your life in any way, and value, you don't do have it. any dignity, you don't have any respect, you don't have any protections. What's the point of having a job like that?
1: Yeah, you might as well come and work at news laundry. <laughs> so, 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 and uh, finally, that we had a lot of letters this time. I don't know. I guess people are home, so a lot, like we had like dozens of emails. So uh, this is the Why last one. I'll read. Don't
2: like disincentivize it.
1: No, I'm not disincentivizing it. I think it's great. A I may not read all of them out, guys, but I, I read all of them. I don't read them out on the show. But Tushar, I can't, we don't run out of time. We, I can't read your full email. But he says he's moved to Vancouver from, uh, from Canada when he was 22, in, in the, uh, almost eight years ago. He's an accountant by profession. He signed up for a Canadian political party that was close to his worldview. He says here they aren't allowed to take corporate funding, uh, political parties. Hmm. He's. I found the whole thing. He's. Okay, he's, I didn't know
2: that. He's That's basically
1: spoken about his experience as an, an activist, political activist. He says the whole thing is super transparent and democratic. And compared to the top-to-bottom approach of Indian political parties, he says, "I would love to hear the panel's views on leadership races and how different Indian political landscape would look like if we had leadership races." I guess he leadership means leadership races, okay? Primary type things. So I,
3: I hope Tushar, uh, it was
1: the NDP you had signed up for well you you know yeah so tushar you can tell us in the next mail and meanwhile he has some um, recommendations for american listeners he says the weeds and the ezra Klein show and podcasts by vox.com God, so, so before smart. you tell me about the naming uh, how we refer to women and men leaders does anyone have any views on how primary system would work in india manisha Ramansa, you want to go first
4: I think we are stretching it. out. I, I don't think we call, call, do we say Mr. Narendra Modi?
1: No, no, their primary, what he's asking, our wonderful subscriber that is the, like, you know, like in America, they have first, you know, you, the leader emerges probably 15 people in the race, then 10, then 12, then one emerges.
4: I think first, and, I mean, this will definitely help, uh, you know, uh, our political system to be transparent. Uh, I think we need, the most important thing that we need in politics is honesty which is completely missing at the moment. I think we, we, uh, our, uh, our system, our political system does not encourage primary. Rahul Gandhi tried that within the party. If you remember when he just, he had taken mm-hmm. in. So he had gone to, I had gone to cover this story for First Post in Bihar, where, uh, you know, in each district, the leadership has to mm. come up on its own. So there mm. were many guys, you know, uh, who, who wanted to be mm. uh, district president. Or the area president. So they so so they was the primary thing, but it miserably failed.
3: No, I I don't think in India in this the way it is right now it'll work because Mm. the whole idea is primarily it gives you accountability, right? It gives power to the voters. In India, where so much of power is centralized with the central government, the mm. so-called national parties, it's not going to happen. So, first, what you have to do is you have to radically give power to the states, basically make them quasi, quasi countries and mm. then leave a little bit of power with the center and then start that system in the states. Manisha?
0: No views on this, really.
3: No views. Prager, you have any views on this?
0: I can, uh, I can just uh, give you an anecdote because I was closely covering a, one of Rahul Gandhi's primaries i'm calling them down, down these primaries because congress didn't back it and it was somewhere in delhi i'm not going to name the constituency and there was a diggaj leader who had always been the mp from there against a newbie youth congress dalit candidate it was not a reserve seat and uh, they fought the primaries and first so anyway there was so much drama and comedy that was happening over there because uh, it was being monitored by Congress people and most of them were young people from Rahul Gandhi's teams and all these oldies, Congress oldies would come and they would refuse to show their ID cards and they, they would be like, humko and they'd be like, ID card so it was like a you know, it was like a banana republic election, which was quite funny in its own right. And then eventually, surprise you know, it, 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 to everyone's surprise that young Dalit candidate won uh, the primaries. Hmm. Except then that Ziggaj leader and his family made it their mission to make sure that he lost the election. Also, because obviously he had no money Hmm. to uh, run the, you know, to kind of really be able to uh, run an empty election. So until we solve, you know, how we vote, what we vote for, uh, criminal antecedents in politics, political funding, democracy within parties, I think primaries will just, Continue to be an eyewash and a waste of money.
1: Okay, thank you. um Now, just you can give us your recommendations after give us your view on that naming thing. prague you want to start?
0: I have really no views on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I. Uh, is it a is gender a thing, or you think we are? There is a lot of sexism against women leaders. Women have it very tough in politics. Uh, we need uh, the women's reservation bill to go through. Uh, all of that I agree with, but uh, I but the main thing I don't know. I mean, most people call her Didi in Bengal. I haven't heard of you know in Bengal. I'm from Calcutta. People calling her Mamta. Uh, it's always Didi, Mamata Di. Even her haters call her Mamata Di. Even the left calls her Didi we used to call jalalita amma i don't know yeah this i don't really have a view on sorry mm. i don't want to ramble i think this uh, come uh, i think this tweet probably is on the
2: back of the telegraph headline which said the headline had rupees 20 lakh crore in figures mm. and the blurb said that uh, by the time you are done counting hopefully nirmala will give us some details mm. so a lot of people criticized the paper because you're saying Nirmala. You wouldn't have said Arun would give us That's the details. A, or or I
1: curry. think
2: it's a crass headline and I'm no fan of Telegraph. I've criticized them a lot. I do think it's a very unprofessional headline. But I think uh, in terms in general, we always call Sushma Swaraj, Sushma Swaraj. We never said Sushma. Hmm. I guess. So, but I don't, we know,
3: Sushma, but I don't know.
2: We'd it? say Sushma. And this entire
3: idea of calling people by their second name is an entirely a media thing. I mean, it's, a, it's come to our society through media. Because... Generally, in in South Asia, we refer to people by their first names. Hmm. When we talk about them in their families, everywhere. This thing, calling people, this came from because we followed those style sheets, Western style sheets, where they call people by their second names. So we started that. And now then, sometimes the second name sticks. or It's easier. In Modi's case, for example. Hmm. Manmohan Singh, Manmohan. So, I mean, everywhere I have been, this has been my gripe with all the style sheets. Hmm. And it creates a lot of problems. Like, say, in a story, you have three Sings. So, how do you (laughs) refer refer to that? You
2: use the first.
3: So, so that is then hypocrisy, no? That's not consistent. (laughs) Yeah. So, I think we should all use first names, but sometimes there are names which have stuck, like Chidambaram You don't even know what P means. But but that's a Tamil thing, right? Yeah. And also, you don't even know what P means, for example, right? right? Modi's case, it's stuck, right? Mm. Calling Amit Shah, 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 Shah seems very absurd.
2: Would you call him Amit
3: though? Huh? (laughs) <laughs> Ambit is fine but, I mean because it mm-hmm. becomes And also the but thing is is there, is there a sex
1: I mean do you think Subconsciously we decide To call a woman The first name or a guy By the surname No I don't think no. so
3: Do you think so sir No But oh. also
2: because um, In women's
3: case The second name is usually Often like The husband's name Father's name
2: But I wouldn't no, me I mean I would put Nirmala in, in a headline not Nirmala said this I don't yeah, think uh, so uh, No this as a headline a... Sure but
3: I, I do think that In fact
1: I think The opposite is true But I don't know I, I do think yeah, This is a bit Over you know Scrutinize something at least when in a boy's think, you know, when you're in school, you're called Sekhri. Or even in the 4 you're called by a surname. Hmm. And in fact, that is that is actually to demonstrate that you're younger, you're junior. So a junior would... But when you're out of school, the people who I would call by, oh, Sonny, or this today, they find it disrespectful. So I will say the first name. And I don't expect to be called Sekhri. I expect to be called Abhinandan. So I think the opposite is true. I think... Calling someone by surname is usually a hierarchical thing, but maybe that's also, just Also, these being... are
3: like cultural influences. In the Arab world, for example, I mean, you have that kuniyat, right? Hmm. You don't call people, you call them Ubu something. Somebody's right. father, somebody's t- this thing, somebody's mother, right? right? So these are cultural things and we get influenced by yeah. them, they get influenced by us. I think even in the false
1: you call everyone by the surname and not, you know, but...
2: Yeah, but I think her context is more in the news media would you call someone from the first oh, name I, I, I think th- that's the context I mean, it's of it's a order. convention.
3: If you adopt a convention, it's fine. Anyway, on
1: that In note, m- let, us, let us say goodbye and thank you to our listeners and uh, also our panelists. We would want your recommendations, but before you give your recommendations, I would like to thank all the subscribers who actually paid to keep news free. And we are seeing the value and importance of that now as advertising is drying up. So our subscribers, you guys rock. You guys have changed the news model. And after 8 years of persevering, lots of news organisations are doing that and like you had said and we had said this is going to be the news model all those VCs I pitched to who told me news will always be on the back of advertising yo guys, what's up? and uh, so you guys, thank you so much for subscribing many of you have actually sent screenshots where you are actually telling people in your WhatsApp groups to subscribe thank you, you guys are amazing We are so glad we have an amazing set of supporters like our subscribers. So thank you. Go to newslonny.com and pay to keep news free in the above right-hand corner. And you can contribute by being subscribers and a member member of the community that keeps news independent and alive. On that note, um, let's have Pragya, your recommendation first, and then you can carry on. Thank you so much for giving us so much of your time.
0: So recommendations. uh, Okay, Mrs. America, uh, which is on Hotstar. And uh, there is a movie. Uh, it's a small British indie called Pride, and I've been thinking of this through this uh, entire uh, recording, which is about how the labor unions uh, that were massively disenfranchised in uh, coal labor unions, in particular, in the UK, came together with um, the lesbian and gays association to fight the Thatcher government, and it was a really, it's a really funny, heartwarming uh movie and it has a wonderful rendition of my favorite song bread and roses so pride this is america i think both these uh movies give you a sense of what was being said earlier how hard people have fought for protections and the rights and the freedoms that we have and how we can't afford to be callous about them
1: right thank you also, sir. can
0: i just please do a plug uh, which is indian policy collective and indian history collective collective they are not-for-profits all our content is free for syndication for anyone who wants to do it so please do check it out guys
1: yes please do check uh, you have two right, one is a policy collective and one is a history collective, history collective. so do check that out, what do they have and to type in type out
0: just indianpolicycollective.com indianhistorycollective.com so you
1: it. know where to go guys, check it out show your love, show your support Raman sir the two
4: serials hmm. one is the documentary uh, trial by media which has just, I think, come on Netflix and I've just started started watching it. This mm. is they picked up some cases with some popular cases where the media, oh. me, but the way media tried and it had an impact on the court verdict. And uh, second is uh, just completed is Hollywood. Uh, it's a beautiful serial. Uh, this is about uh, the movie that I mean about the newcomer actors. And how they used to struggle in Hollywood. And, and also a m- movie where the first time, you know, a black woman became the actress.
1: Oh, right. So oh, yeah. Raj, she was saying it's amazing, ah, right? It's, okay. it's amazing. It's beautiful. Hmm. Raj.
3: It's a piece by Tejaswini Tabhane on Roundtable India. It's called The Burden of an Economy. Hmm. She unpacks how this whole unhealthy obsession with GDP and jobs for job's sakes, how it's sort of under how the underlying... Paradigm is rooted in caste. It's a very informative and very, very different. I, I mean, I haven't read anything like this before. So I'd highly recommend you read this. Maybe you'll disagree with it. But it's a really fresh, insightful piece. Okay.
2: I haven't read or watched anything useful the whole week.
1: <laughs> oh, <No>, really? <laughs> I have really c- spent so much time watching Sudhir and Amish. And
2: yeah, and I've another. also like not been very, uh, I think uh, it's fine to sometimes not do anything useful. But yeah, I did read one piece which I thought was quite nice uh, it was uh, how to prevent confirmation bias affecting journalists i think even as readers uh, because a lot of us ask us that mm. you know how do we protect ourselves from biases how we how do we uh, you know see with journalists as being biased or not so it's a good piece uh, of course it is a great piece for journalists because it tells you that how all of us are affected by biases but how there are tools in place with which we can check ourselves so you can read that it was a good post
1: so um this is actually part of the NPR newsletter, but since it's very relevant to, um, you know, what we were speaking about, it is titled, Why the Crisis May Make Powerful Corporations Even More Powerful. So uh, you can sign up for the newsletter, but th- this excerpt is interesting. So you do check it out. It's on the, news on the NPR website, Planet Money. And on that note, I would request all of you to take care of yourself, stay indoors, stay safe. If you have to go out, do go out, but with adequate precautions... Also, pay to keep news free. Spread the word. Write in with your comments, critiques and ideas to contact at newslawny.com. I repeat, contact at newslawny.com in the subject line. In the subject line, please write Hafta. Until next time, thank you panel. Thank you listeners. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye.
4: Stuck. Banana till the morning come. We
2: like come and we want go
4: Come, Mister Tallyman, Tally me banana. We like come and we want to go home. Come, Mister Tallyman,
0: Tally me banana. We like come and we want to go All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform.
1: Please subscribe to News Laundry.